Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Joseph Davis, Senior Pastor of Truth Gather Dream Center Church here in Tallahassee, also Overseer of the Victorious Church in Monticello, Florida. I am excited to be sharing with you. Um, have a guest um, with me, along with me. We're going to be talking about some good, good stuff. And so go ahead and get that volume just right so you can make sure you hear us clearly. And uh, we just believe that God has given us something to inspire, uh, instruct, and inform you in the Word of God. And so I'm not alone. I have an associate minister also in our church with me, and we'll be sharing um, about radical restoration. Uh, what's going on, sir? Minister Jermaine White is with us. He is an associate minister at our church, um, shares many roles. Uh, he's a wonderful, faithful man, wonderful husband. He's a, a banker, and uh, he does so much professionally and uh, with his secular career besides his sacred calling to the gospel. What's going on, Minister Jermaine? Oh, I'm just blessed to be here. I'm blessed to be amongst the saints uh, as usual. Uh, I'm just basking in the glow of God, just thanking him for every opportunity to spread his word and demonstrate his love. That's what it's all about. And um, I'm telling you, we've been experiencing what I would call the word of the Lord. Right. Of course, we know his written word is the word. It is the basis uh, for how we walk with God and we learn his ways. But we also have his voice and his voice complements his word. And it gives us instruction and direction. And God has several ways that he can speak to us as believers. And God has put something deep in within our spirit with this phrase called radical restoration. All right. I want you to let that word. Those two words be a resounding, magnified, neon lights type word for you. Radical restoration. And I'll tell you what it means, but you already got the word radical and you already got the word restoration. You put it together and you got God working through circumstances, working through time, working through issues. I might as well give it to you. He's also working through human weaknesses, human mistakes. Oh, I might as well go ahead and say it. He's working through sin and all types of challenges that as um, humanity we may have experienced in life. God is bringing about his purpose through radical restoration. And so there's some good news. There is good news for many of you. And I know there are so many of you who uh, need to hear this word. I was so impressed. Uh, about sharing it with a larger, larger audience. And uh, because I believe this is something God is trying to get out to our hearts. Um, this, I believe this speaks to family situations, work situations, and all the dealings of your life when it seems like things are falling apart and you're wondering what to do next. Where is God? What is, how do I function in this season? God wants to lift up your head and let you know this is a time of radical restoration. Uh, Minister White is here. He has a story. I want to start with that. I mean, uh, we have been talking about radical restoration at our church, and I have ministered from Luke 15. Uh, many of us know most of Luke 15 about the prodigal son, but there's so much more there, and we'll probably dive into it um, during this segment here. But while we were teaching this and experiencing this, 
I started hearing testimonies from those in our congregation. God began to work through the teaching of the word. And um, Minister Jermaine White has a wonderful story that God is involved in in this season. And we'll start there and then we'll probably just segue into the word. Just kind of share with us, Minister White, some of the latest things that's, you know, uh, that God's been tugging on your heart. Okay, I'll uh, I'll first kind of set the scene with uh, one of the biggest things that's happening in my life right now, and we're kind of moving through it, is is it's not too late. When I look back on my uh, relationship with my biological father, because God has blessed me with so many other uh, fathers and men of influence in my life. When I look back with my biological father, he was in my life for a brief period of time that I barely remember when I was younger un- under the same roof. So. As I grew up and he was out of the house, you know, you would see him here and there. So as I was telling uh, Pastor Joe one time, as I, w- I was getting the passport to go into CFL and all this, and I received my birth certificate. And on my birth certificate was written, this spot left blank on purpose under the father's name. And it really kind of, for lack of a better word, hardened my heart towards him Knowing like when he was in the house that he loved me and all these different things, but it kind of hardened my heart towards this man. So I was like, you know what? I see him when I see him. So as life went on, we we became more and more distant the older that I got. So at some point I was out. uh, Fast forward some years. I was at one of my uncles in North Carolina. Wow. So North Carolina. So. And a situation happened and I diffused the situation and uh, me and one of the gentlemen were one on one driving in the car. And he told me how much I reminded him of somebody that he knew from his past. Now, we're in North Carolina. We're in Florida. Uh, we all live in Florida now. And he said when he mentioned the person's name, I just laughed. And the guy looked at me puzzled, saying, it's not a funny story. Why are you laughing? And I said, that's my biological father. Wow. And he was pointing out all the good parts of this man. And he was using that to compliment me, not knowing this, who this man was. So it really started a thing where I had to get back and think about, well, I don't know this man in that sense. And the more I came to know of my biological father, the more I reached out to him. The more I talked to him and found out his story, a lot of things started to make sense. And in loving God, I I came to realize this. God gave me 100 percent of what I needed in life to be successful. I, at a certain point in my life, was looking for 100 percent of what I thought I needed from him. But once I learned his story, I noticed and it became, for lack of a better number, he had 20 percent of what it was going to take me to get me where God wanted me. Right. And I held that 80 percent against him and he had 20. He did his role. I can go back and look. This man loved me with everything he had. But the more I learned about him, the more I understood why he was the way he was. And I had to get on my face and repent to God about how I had been, how I was not accepting him of all these things. And he loves me with all his heart. And he gave me all 20 of those percent. And and what we find, Minister White, is how um, easy offense uh, can get into our hearts and minds through uncommunicated situations, how through perceiving 
why somebody did something or why they didn't do something uh, could be that opening, that lack of communication could be uh, leave our minds up to conjuring up whys and stories and things of that nature. And sometimes we start fostering um, unforgiveness and other types of emotions that keep us distanced from that person as well. Not not saying that, you know, people should also do their best to fill in those gaps so that uh, as as people who care about love and recognition and care about touch and embrace, that's a part of us in our soul realm that God has made us to have belonging. And so because we reach and long for those things, it is good for us to recognize that. And so, uh, but yet and still as a believer and as a Christian, uh, how God put responsibility on you. And this is some of the challenges we are finding and uh, in our lives as Christians and believers that many times while we are, uh, looking potentially to say what someone else hasn't done. Uh, Christ comes into our hearts as believers and raises the standard on how we perceive and how we even deal with certain things. And being a Christian and believing that God is our father, um, he requires us that we handle these circumstances totally different, right? Who would think that you would be the one uh, asking God for forgiveness in your perception uh, when it seems like your father <laughs> was missing, right? And not um, in a close relationship with you. Uh, who would think that, but because of the relationship with Christ and how your heart was affected, right? Because it's about our, our heart. And I think that's one of the greatest responsibilities that God is giving us as Christian believers is the condition of our heart cannot be based on how someone else treats us. Yes. That, that's what, that, the condition of our heart cannot be based, meaning we can't say my heart's this way. I'm going to be upset the rest of my life or whatever because of what you've done. Uh, Christ and his love and the word of God has removed all those excuses or reasons or real factors that our heart will not be in a condition because of what somebody's done to us. And we are taught through the word to forgive, right? And to forgive and forgive. We're taught to forgive without them asking for it. Right. We're taught if we're offended, we're taught to forgive. Now, there are other steps of reconciliation than things that we could do. But that standard of Christianity, we are to forgive without them asking for it, just because God holds us responsible for the state of our heart. And he doesn't um, look at someone else and says that Joe has a reason to be bitter and to be stubborn and to go into any other cycles of of madness and unforgiveness because of what somebody else has done. And so I, I see that's how the Holy Spirit uh, led you to recognize that, hey, you blessed. That's what you started off talking about, how God took care of you in spite of some gaps in relationship. And through God's sovereignty, you are in a totally different state. Somebody knows your dad and has no idea that you're his son biolog biologically, but some way... Your behaviors uh, and the great attitude and the way you diffuse the situation reminds him of your father. That's amazing. It it it, it really blew my mind, and he had no way of knowing because uh, the uncle who house I was with, I have 
my mother's surname. So I was at my, my, my uncle John White's house. I'm Jermaine White. My dad's Wayne Cooper. So I'm, I'm just putting it out there. And like, and, and I had to go to my dad and tell him uh, he, he was, he was in the hospital. It wasn't the fact that he was in the hospital. It's the fact that when I told him four of my teammates in college, I was looking at a picture of two of them already deceased. And, and I was older than one of them that's already deceased. And the other one was like a year younger than me. So tomorrow's not promised to any one of us. So I don't, and, 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 and this is, this is what I told him, like holding his hand. He could barely, like he couldn't talk at the time. I was holding his hand saying, I don't want you looking down in my grave and I don't want to be looking at you telling you that I love you. I want you to hear it and I can see it in your eyes. And I just spoke to him from the heart. And I think love is the answer to it. And just going through that, cause the Bible actually tells us how can, how can you hate your brother and sister that you can see? And then say that you love God who you can't. So it's like I'm standing in front of this man and I'm holding his hand and we're both crying. And he was in uh, he was in a state where a nurse had to be sitting in the room. I look up. The nurse is crying. Everybody's spirit is opened up because it was all about love and it didn't matter who heard it. And I was like, and I'm saying that to say this, the deeper you go in God, the higher you will be elevated and it, that's going to shine the light on more people. So if you have somebody, I'm just, I'm, I'm just speaking out. If you have somebody you need to reconcile with, forgive yourself for, for not forgiving them and forgive them for whatever it is. It doesn't matter for whatever it is. God forgave us. God forgave me for all the things that I did when I was running amok and he saved me. Yes. So I just know in that it's, it's just so it's, it's so much. It's, 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 it's so much. It's why that's powerful. One of the principles that uh, the word of God teaches us in Luke 15 about reconciliation and restoration is accountability, being accountable for who you are, what you've been taught, and what you can do about the situation. Being accountable for who you are, what you can do about the situation, and what you have been provided. You know, Luke 15 starts off with the publicans and sinners ridiculing Jesus for not being authentic. You know, you're not really the Savior. How can you sit down and fellowship and eat with the publicans and sinners? And, and then they put another test, many of the tests they always put on Jesus. And this time he gives this parable about a shepherd that have a hundred sheep. And he talks about the one that gets lost. But the, the, one of the crux of the story is about accountability. The only reason the shepherd is able to identify the one that is lost is because he has counted how many sheep he has. You'll never know what's missing if you don't have, if you haven't counted what you have. It's about accountability. The reason that the shepherd can go look and search for a missing sheep because he knows how many sheep he has. All right. That's one of the things I teach about pastoring and leaders is being accountable to God for the people that God has sent you mm-hmm. is to count how many people God has actually sent. <laughs> right. It's accountability. It starts with accountability. Reconciliation starts with accountability because if you have a, a if let's say you have a hundred sheep, but you have not a, counted a hundred sheep, you can go out there one day and actually have eighty five. Mm-hmm. 
But it looks like a hundred. They all bundled up in a group. That looks like like it was yesterday. That looks like it was the day before. I still have a hundred. No, the truth of the matter of, of the wolf has come and taken a few. But because you're not accountable and you have not counted, you don't know. And so part of the restoration and reconciliation that God is teaching us about life is accountability. Be accountable. Know what you have. The other thing you were doing in your story is counting the days. We become irresponsible to restoration and forgiveness is because we don't count the days. And we have a complex or mentality that the people who sit before us are always going to be there. And unfortunately, life can change in moments. Sometimes we, uh, some of us have experienced when life changed in a moment and that uh, startles us and it gets us back on track to counting the days and counting the time. And sometimes we take it for granted that God has given us an opportunity to reconcile. God has given us a day that we should have this conversation and we're waiting on something. We're waiting on this. We're waiting on us. When they call me, then I'm going to do something. When they call me, then I'm going to reach out to them. We're waiting and we're waiting and we're not being accountable for the breath that he has put in our bodies, for the day he has given us to live. You know, even when it comes to the salvation, didn't mean to talk about accountability. When it comes to salvation, the scripture says, the day you hear, the day you hear my voice, harden not your hearts. So we have to be accountable to a reconciliation and accountable to the moments we have. And I, I can hear that all intertwined in your story. You was accountable to the moment you had with your dad. Um, you took advantage of it. It let him know he was loved, spending time with him, filling in the gaps and um, the love that God had put in your heart. You was uh, giving that to him. One thing that really like stood out to me and it, it was in one of the sermons, uh, that, that you had at church and you, when we we're talking about the prodigal son and the part where he was home, there was a party going on and the other brother was coming out of the field. So the father is with the other son. So uh, he's reconciling with him and the brother who had been there the whole time, he's coming up and it's just <clears throat> a small part, but it really stirred my spirit. Because he asked what was going on and they told him and then that formed his opinion of everything. And then the father had to come straighten it out and the father had to come talk to him now. So how many times in our life do we not go directly to the father to get the story and we just take what everybody else is saying? And I can say in my instance and looking back on it, I heard a lot of different things. Yeah that were kind of contrary to what I knew of my father when he was, when, when I was by his side, when I was growing up. And for a while, I remembered the bad things. And a lot of things I heard and didn't see, that's what was in my mind. But then it came back to me when uh, when I was sitting by him all the times when we was younger. And when I was younger and I was telling him about, hey, I still... I was still, I don't know if y'all remember Pick and Save. We had one in Gainesville. Like, we wasn't the richest crew. Uh, Pick and so, Save Grocery Store. Pick and Save Grocery Store. I mean, I'm telling him a story about, I remember when he took me to see my bike that he put on layaway. We're going to get this for you for Christmas. And I say that to say this. He wanted, he didn't have the money to get it then, but he wanted me to know, son, I love you so much. This is what I'm going to try to do. 
And I think this is another thing I shared with Pastor Joe. And I want to share this just in case we got kids listening or whatever. I never did drugs a day in my life. I played, played sports, went and did all these different things. Everybody falls short somewhere. But I'm saying that was never mine. And it was due to this. I remember walking with my dad and he was with some of his friends. And peer pressure is very strong. I see that in the youth today. I see that in adults today. Uh, Miss Jones bought a new car. Somebody down the street want to buy a new car. I'm just saying. So they offered him something. And he was like, I'm not going to do that in front of my son. So for them to stop offering and trying to get him to do it, he took it. He said, I'll take it from you. And as we was walking home, he threw it in the bushes and he said, son, don't you ever do drugs. Don't ever do anything like that. And that has stuck with me my whole life. So like I said, I had to repent because this person, when I go back and think about the good things, because that's all that matter. A lot of my chemical makeup, a lot of the things that my wife said she saw in me came from him. And I was discounting 50% of who I was for me to say, God don't make mistakes and God is perfect. How can I be mad at who he decided to be my biological father? Make that make sense. And that what happens, we get trapped inside what I call the noise, you know, uh, and sometimes we have to quiet the noise, get down to what's really happening. That's what's happening in the story of the, the prodigal son. Um, and I know uh, traditionally we, we love to call that story the prodigal son. And uh, for me, I'm interested in the whole story. And the whole story is not just about a prodigal son. Um, I think just because of the, personally, because we focused on the story being a prodigal son, I think we miss it. I think we miss this whole entire text in Luke 15 that is really about the father. And it's not as much about the sons. Um, as much as it's about the father and how the father handles his children and how the father handles his home. You know, many times love is something we want people to receive, but love can't be a forced thing. You know, the story says that the, one of the sons wants his inheritance and he says, daddy, give me my inheritance. And he says, um, his father divided unto him his living. Um, the way theologians describe it is, uh, and what many of us know, you don't normally get your inheritance while the person is still alive. <laughs> you know, inheritance is something that is passed down after the person has passed on. And he asks for his portion of inheritance while he's, uh, his dad is alive, but he wants to leave home. And you see no argument in the text between the father's desire for the son to stay home and the son's decision to leave the home. Many times relationships really get out of boundaries because we try to force love. The father never manipulates, never does anything to go against the decision of the son. Even if he disagree with the son leaving the home, he provides the son what he needs to leave, even if it's not what he desires. This is where I've seen relationships really go beyond boundaries, because although we disagree with people's decision, many times we dis disrespect that they have a right to their own decisions. Right. So we can disagree with a person's decision without disrespecting that that's their decision, 
right? They have their choice to make. And we can vocalize our disagreement for whatever reasons, but love never forces itself, all right? Love never, <laughs> Corinthians gives us a, a broad definition of love, and it helps you understand all the things you got to go through to make sure your love is right. You know, love does not boast and how love treats other people. And so that's one of the things that's really important in Luke 15 is how the father treats the son. The son wants to do something that it doesn't appear that the father is in agreement with, <laughs> but it's not a forced love. Right. It's the thing that you accept. And he leaves. He comes back home broken. He has wasted his substance with riotous living. But the text picks up, which is the beauty of the story. That the father does not wait for the son to come all the way home. It says, while the son was returning home, the father went out and met him. It speaks of the love of the father that God did not. uh, When it comes to reconciliation, many times people put their heels in the sand. They don't do what they can do. You were speaking about doing what you could do. The father didn't say, all right, he left the house. I'm going to let him struggle all the way home until he get here. No, it says the father saw him and had compassion. He saw him making efforts to change, to come back home. He didn't just sit there and say, that's what you get for leaving my house. I told you your heart. It wasn't the time. It was the time for mercy. It was the time for compassion. It wasn't the time to beat him over the head with the rules of the house. Right. See, many times we can't participate in radical restoration because our emotions are not flowing in the ways of the word of God. God shows us how to treat people as they are changing. That's how I look at that story. When a prodigal son is coming home, he's he's not fully changed. All we know from the text, from scripture, he said to himself, I will arise, go to my father. I will tell him I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me a higher servant, all right? And in his confession, we even see a problem there, all right? <laughs> even in his confession, I'll go home and I'll repent, but I'm, going to, I'm not going to be a son. I'm going to be a hired servant. And it shows you um, how guilt um, can make people be less than they ought to be in your life. Mm-hmm. This son was going to come home and tell his daddy, because of what I've done, I'm never good enough anymore to be who I'm supposed to be. I want to say here, I see Minister White as we touch yeah. <laughs> I want to say here, there are some people we need to restore back to their proper place. Yes, they've been wrong and they got some things to change and some things to overcome. I believe that's what happens when the son comes home and the father puts the robe on him. It's a moment of restoration, a moment of restitution, building him back up. But we have to allow people to work back into their proper positions and authorities and place that they're supposed to be. The son was going to not even accept who he was. He said, I'm going to be a hired servant. The father comes home and say, no, you are my son. Nothing changes that. And he puts the robe on him. He puts the ring on his finger and shoes on his feet. So I I really uh, think 
restoration and radical restoration is something that God is teaching us. There have been, just like Minister White is sharing about a family situation, there have been many family situations uh, that just have gone awry. Mothers and daughters and fathers and disagreements and that people can't even gather for a wonderful time at a family reunion. There are people who have not come to family functions anymore. There are gaps of disagreements in families. There are secrets that needs to be uh, had the right level of conversation so people can get healed. You know, there have been secrets of of sin and um, and and fault of humanity, and uh, we got to be have courage. We got to have courage. You know, Minister, why you you know you talk about the story. You had courage to do what you've done. You know, you just looked your dad in the eye and you told him you love him. I can imagine. Did your dad say anything to you as you were sharing with him? About his love. If you don't mind bringing us into that, anything he was giving you feedback about during this time. He uh, just kind of looking at it because he could barely like talk a little bit when when he was trying to. But he was uh, he was saying that 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 he loved me. And like that was a word we never used growing up in the household. And uh, I try to use it a lot now in, in, in my day. And he and he said it and he he's like, son, I love you. And I was like, Dad, I love you. And I always know, uh, I always knew that you love me. And he, like I say, everybody in the room w- was crying. It, it was just, it was a heartfelt moment. And I didn't want, I did not want him to take another breath without him hearing the words come out of my mouth. And then the words came out of his mouth. And I told him he didn't have to say it because I already knew and I've always known. But it was my stubbornness. It was my hardened heart that, yes, I'm going to let him in my life a little bit, but I'm not going to restore him to his full place as my father where he should be. And this man took the strides over the years because I was mostly raised by my stepfather, who's a great man. I love him to death. And my dad. Now, men, think about this. My dad told me to go back. And tell my stepdad, thank you for the way he raised me because I turned out to be a blessing. How how much does it like what kind of character of a man does it take to say that? Yeah, it's great character to tell his son that. So he he told me he loved me. I already knew he loved me. And I just wanted him to know how much I love him and how much I'm thankful to be like him. Wow. And, and I want to mow to know more about him because a lot of the things that I love most in life, I love to cook. Anybody who knows me know that I'm always cooking. I get that from him. My mom told me some recipes over the years, but I started out barbecuing and cooking with him in the kitchen because he was a head chef at some part. It's at one point in his life. He loves to build things. I'm always building stuff because I started that with him. Wow. And this person who I shunned it, this part of like I I turned off 50 percent of me. And I think that that was never God's design. So before I'm just speaking to somebody out there, before you turn off half of what God is giving you, give it a chance, like repent, do whatever you have to do. Get on your face, find that posture to forgive that person and forgive yourself and see how God moves in your life. Because God has been moving so mightily in my life these last couple of weeks when it comes to family. I had a family member who I would not, I wouldn't know my uncle if I was in the phone booth with him. 
called me 30 minutes after our uh, episode on Morning Manor. Morning Manor. So just so y'all know, we have a podcast. Uh, <laughs> he was throwing out Morning Manor. And while he was saying he was recognizing, <laughs> nobody know what Morning Manor is. We do an online um, morning inspiration of teaching and prayer every Monday and Wednesday on Truth Gathers Dream Center social media pages. So uh, those who are familiar with us and those who are not, you can join us every Monday and Wednesday at 6 a.m. in the morning for a time of inspiration and empowerment. All right, that's Morning Manor. Okay, all right. So... <laughs> So I had an uncle who didn't listen to it or anything. I was just praying for to knowing that side of the family. I was praying for I was literally praying to get to know the 50 percent of me that I don't really know. And this uncle called. Wow. And we spoke and we talked and to find out how how he's a deacon that's, that they kind of worked in starting their church, how I have cousins who work all through the church, who's paralleling what we're doing on this side of the family. It's just amazing how God is uncovering. So the deeper you go and the closer you get to God, like I say, the higher you will go in different things that God wants to reveal in your life. It's amazing how the spirit of God, when our heart is for uh, radical restoration, how God comes in to help us um, be restored and help things come together. I'm amazed how the spirit is so attracted to wholeness and how the spirit of God is attracted to healing that he goes out on our behalf and make some things happen for us to, for us to continue to participate in that form of radical restoration. In Luke 15, we see that same type of principle happening when the son who is home working hears that his brother who walked away due to riotous living comes back, he's offended. You know, he's offended. And I talk about this, especially from a pastor point of view to other pastors. How many times churches uh, gain five members one Sunday and lose 10 in two months, gain 50 members in one year and lose 15 the following year. And it seems as if the household of faith never can maintain both, right? This is the father's wisdom and grace on how he can bring one son back into the home, restore him, but not lose the other son who's been working, been faithful, and now is feeling like, wait a minute, why, why, why I'm not getting attention? I've been here the whole time. I've been here faithful. And the unfaithful comes home and gets a party? How does the unfaithful get a party? You killed the fatted calf. All right? You killed the fatted calf for the unfaithful. And sometimes God's love is so mysterious that it will offend other people. Oh, yeah. The son who's working, he's offended because his brother had a party. And what we find out, he has been waiting on affirmation. He has been waiting on a party. He has been waiting on somebody to tell him he's doing a good job. These are all the things, personally, even as a pastor, I've learned to pay attention and is still learning to pay attention to all those subtle communications from people that sometimes people just need to know you appreciate them. Uh, sometimes people just need to embrace and say, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your labor of love in this church or, or at work or at home. You know, even in the husband and wife relationship, there are so many things that the husband may expect of the wife and the wife may expect of the husband. And because you expect certain things, sometimes you're not careful. You forget to say thank you. 
You forget to tell that person who is looking out for you to help you be uh, prosperous. Maybe your wife is ironing your clothes and picking things up and handling the kids and doing her part. But a good thank you will go a long way. And I think the Bible helps us just to see the humanity here. Right. You would think the brother who's been home working would join in the party. His brother was lost. He could have lost his life. But he didn't even want to come to the party because he was offended. And I like what the father does in this case. The father doesn't wait for the son who's offended to come to him. The father goes out to his son. Son, you're not at the party. What's going on? And the conversation ensues and he's able to talk to his father about why it was necessary to celebrate the son coming home. This is about communication. This is about courage. This is about boldness. Many times we're just sitting back waiting for restoration to happen. We're waiting for healing to happen. But God has given us courage and boldness to do our part in it, to do our part through love. And this is it. This is how radical restoration is happening. Do our part through love. The father comes out and says, son, you're my son. All that I have belong to you. In other words, you don't have to wait till somebody come home to throw a party. You're my son. Throw your own party. You know, it's, it's a moment of affirmation. You're my son. Go out there and kill the fat of calf and celebrate success. And it speaks to us as individuals. Not that we don't need each other, right? Because I believe that's important. But sometimes we should take a sense of joy and what God has allowed us to accomplish. And some maybe, maybe the son who stayed home was working too much. Maybe he was trying to work so hard, he didn't know how to celebrate. Sometimes there are people who work so hard, they don't know how to take a day off. They don't know how to say, why are you taking a day off? Because I work hard. I'm taking a day off because I've been doing well and I need to sit back and enjoy the work ethic I have, the, the times of success, and I just and I just need to enjoy and take in the moment. And I think that's what sometimes people also need to do. Um, and so I'm, I really believe God is teaching us how to walk in what I call radical restoration. I'm hearing God bringing relationships together. And, um, and Minister White is one of a, a great story that's in motion. I'm actually um, aware of several other stories of people where God is reconciling uh, situations, even through adoptions and all types of difficulty as it relates to family and relationships. And um, I believe today that healing uh, is going out over the airwaves. Wisdom is going out over the airwaves. Um, uh, a, a light is turning on how you can navigate things that you thought you could not navigate. Sometimes people shut down over the pain, shut down over the letdown. Sometimes anger uh, fills the heart rather than love. Um, and sometimes people don't understand the reason they're so angry is because they actually love so much. <laughs> you know, yes. no one, gonna, you know, the enemy and our enemy of our soul don't want us to see that only reason we're so angry is because we really love so much. And if we can actually get the anger in its proper place and let the love take the front seat, I believe God can lead us through uh, radical restoration. Uh, as we come to a close here, I do want to offer a prayer in just a second. But Minister White, you know, I know you spoke a little bit about 
um, the responsibilities you've, you've taken. Can you also speak about what you think the rest of the way of journey is in this reconciliation process and maybe how it's affecting you as a person and how you would uh, offer that as words of encouragement to those who are listening? For, for me personally, it's the answer to when I was praying about getting to know more of, of me, like starting with me, cleansing me and moving out. Then it was getting closer to, to my father or get closer to whatever that situation that, that you were shunning or that person. And then that, that is now flowing down to my other siblings on, on his side of the family. So now I want to get to know them. Hey, you have an uncle. Hey, I got a niece and a nephew that, you know, I needed to be a better uncle because flesh in my flesh and bone of my bone. It's like we're, we, we are blood. And if it's the blood, this is what it is. God gave you to me and me to you to be family. We didn't decide this. So we need to make this thing work. So it's just, it's just really opening up my eyes to a whole new world that I feel I've missed for the last 45 years. Wow. So as you get closer to God and understanding why you felt the way you felt, if it was lack of love or too much love or whatever, then move like move, move outward, move outward. It's just like move outward. And I feel that that's moving in, in the connections to getting to know the rest of the family. It's like making my family available to them, making myself available to them, calling them, picking up the phone. Sometimes it's like you might not have a bad relationship to that person, but you just haven't talked to them. Sometimes a text. Pull out your phone if you're not driving. Pull out your phone when you get a chance to scroll through your text and see when is the last time you text some of the some of the people you care about most. See when the last time you called them. Because as we go through the hustles and bustles of the day, we miss each other. And sometimes we're one like one person might be one call away from going off of the deep end. So for me, it's reaching out, meeting, reintroducing myself to family who I didn't know since I since I was small and getting closer to God and trying to be that light and letting God use me. So I just reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out. That's the courage that it takes is to reach out. Um, and I, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for hearts that are listening, hearts that are listening. And I think you are able to heal that heart. You're able to reconcile that mind, the emotions, uh, the past, even the present. And some, they don't have a, a answer, Lord. They just don't know what to do next. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that we don't have to do uh, things alone. Uh, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And you are near to the brokenhearted. And, um, and those who are weary, you are right there. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, uh, Father, that you'll be with us and be with those right now who need to experience radical restoration. And Holy Spirit, and where the restoration does not happen in the physical form between two people reconciling, let the restoration happen in the heart. Maybe the person has passed away. They are not able to talk to that person. Uh, but Father, I thank you that through your spirit, you are able to reconcile the soul, even, even if it's without 
conversation with that person. We thank you for apologies flowing to the left, to the right. We thank you for overflow of forgiveness that is happening. We thank you for the slate being clean, things being balanced. We thank you for accountability and ownership where we have been wrong or ownership where they have been wrong. We thank for that environment to overcome, oh God, to overcome the wrong, overcome time, God. Oh, some are saying it's not too late. Hallelujah, Minister White said that when he first started talking. He said, it's not too late. It's not too late. 15 years, but it's not too late. 30 years, but it's not too late to be healed, whole, and experience radical restoration. Father, this is our prayer. This we do pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening to our segment today on Radical Restoration. Again, this is Joseph Davis, Senior Pastor of Truth Gathers Dream Center Church right here in Tallahassee, joined in the studio with Minister Jermaine White, an associate minister, as well as our church. If you've been blessed by our time of sharing, you can join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Our address is 1317 High Road here in Tallahassee. Also, you can find us on uh, our website, www.truthgatherers.org. Whenever it may be, we would love to see you. God bless you and have a super day.